Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of the Bodhi Cognition Podcast. My name is Arjun Kale. And my name is Dhruva Mani. And we would like to welcome Dr. Narav Patel from Tampa Bay Pulmonology Associates. Dr. Patel has been practicing pulmonology for approximately 18 years. A pulmonologist is a physician who specializes in the respiratory system. With the current COVID situation, the treatment of the respiratory system has become very important. We appreciate Dr. Patel for giving us the opportunity to interview him. Welcome to the Bodhi Cognition uh, Podcast, Dr. Patel. How are you doing today? Good. How are you guys? We're doing great. Um, so our first question, what inspired you to become a pulmonologist? So uh, it is a long story. When I was growing up, uh, uh, I grew up in India and I saw lots of people with uh, breathing problems all around. And when I went into medical school, uh, once you understand human body, uh, I realized that lungs are one of the most important organs uh, of a human body. So the way it works is that anything you breathe, it all has to go through your lungs and oxygen has to go through your lungs in the heart. So lungs are the only organ uh, which directly gets exposed to environment. So lung makes lungs are very susceptible to any damage from the airs, pollution, viruses. And, you know, over the time, uh, most of the people, uh, when we live in this uh, polluted world, will have some kind of breathing problem. So I think uh, when, when I was growing up and when I was in medical school, we didn't have enough uh, means to treat uh, those 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 uh, diseases. So that that was very challenging challenging to me. So I'm I'm not only a lung doctor, uh, but I'm also a critical care doctor. So you know I could do both at the same time. So that helped me. Okay. So um, did any of your family members or something also inspire you to become a pulmonologist or is just like the basis of all of India and uh, you seeing these different people having these uh, breathing problems? Right. So uh, one of my cousins did have to early on and, you know, I always used to help her out. And, you know, I think uh, I saw her struggling with small things, uh, our day-to-day life. And that really uh, challenged me to just come uh, and try to find some uh, solutions for her issues. And and uh, once I saw more problems with the different dis- diseases, uh, the lung diseases always were challenging to me. So that's, uh, that's how I became a lung doctor. Okay. So um, what decisions in high school led you to become a pulmonologist? So let me tell you guys one thing. Uh, you know, this career, uh, you want to, let's say, uh, you want to be a physician in your life, uh, but that that has to evolve evolve over the time. So, when I was in high school, uh, I did not know what I'm going to be, uh, and then as I grew up, and I realized that I want to be a physician, right? So I was in medical school, and the way it works is that once you're in medical school, I was still not sure what I was going to be uh, uh, when. Uh, I choose my career. So I think uh, when after the medical school, you, you, you choose your residency and then the residency becomes like a three years of uh, 
general medicine and then you decide what specialty you want to do uh, so uh, i think in high school it would be too early for anybody to uh, have that kind of super specialized career path but i think once you once you have some experience with uh, medicine then you should be able to decide it over the time so you didn't have a you didn't make the decision you wanted to be a pulmonologist like leaving high school it was in med in med school you came to that decision yes oh. right okay so what are some setbacks or obstacles that occurred during your path to becoming a pulmonologist so what i consider life is always a challenge so uh any any career path uh, you choose uh, there will always be up and down and, and let's say you know you want to be something in the life and if you choose if you're on the right path and you're putting all your energy you have to be prepared that there is going to be failures uh over the time let's say if you if you if you be successful if you become successful in everything what you do then it means that you know you're not choosing the the kind of career or path where you you should be choosing it in the sense that uh, you know if if you if things are challenging enough then you will have failures and failures are something uh, i never consider myself as a failure unless uh, I, i i i just give up so you know i when i was in my training uh, you know uh, i wanted to get into uh, certain Uh, training programs and yeah sometimes it's always challenging but if you uh, persi- like you know if you if you're persistent in what you want to do it i think even after one or two failures you will be successful so so uh, you know everybody's life will have some ups and downs some uh, sometimes you have to give up something to to gain something so in my 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 career you know i was lucky that i was around lots of people who supported me throughout the thing but uh when when you have your priorities sometimes you know i i i i had a uh like you know so let me give you an example that you know when you go for uh fa- it's called fellowship means that it's a specialization and then uh, you have to go for the tr- uh, interviews and you know uh, i went to like five different places uh, uh for for that kind of it's not a job interview but you know training interview and i really liked one place but you know it, it was really not fit for for me or my family so i have to give up so so i i think you know it's it 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 is not always you you might not get everything every time you want but like sometimes in the life you have to uh, like do the best with what you have and and i'm happy with the choices i made i think anyone could yeah i agree with you i think anyone could agree that like fail, failures are going to be part of your life and it's important to uh, conquer these failures that uh, happen to you and that would that's what makes you improve and become a better person better at the job uh, you're doing i i would certainly agree with that and as a growing pe- uh, uh, like you know growing citizens all of you need to understand that uh, you know l- there is going to be failures in the life and what as a society we define as a failure is actually not a failure uh, those are the pauses in our career where you know gives us a time to uh, reflect and think and 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 just uh reshuffle our priorities and you know if if you use those those pauses as a stepping stone you will always uh, come out better and lots of lots of times in in young adults what i see is that you know like students put so much effort 
uh, in certain things and you know if they don't get the results they expected it to have they just give up and i think that is number one mistake you can do uh, as far as your career and future is concerned so i, I really will will give a message that you know never give up okay thank you for that and like for the other high schoolers who want to be a doctor in the future what do you advise to them to do in their high school life and in their college life to reach the position to where you're at today? Right. So I, I think this is probably one of the most important questions you can even ask uh, if, if, if this is if this podcast is about a career. Uh, first, first question I would ask you guys or anybody who's listening to this is that you have to ask that question to yourself that why you want to be something in the life, right? Let's say if you want to be a physician, then the question is the why, right? So, so the, the that why you do or you want to do or you want to become certain kind of thing uh, gives us a gives us a, a, a reflection of of our priorities. So, let's say you, you know I'm going to uh, hypothetically uh, answer the question that I want to be a physician because uh, I want to help other people. So I want to be a physician or because my parents wants me to be a physician or I want to be a physician because uh, you know, physicians live a good life. So, so the thing is that you know, you guys need to understand that you know there are so many knowns, knowns and unknown un- unknowns about the future uh, of medicine at this point. So, unless you think that you want to be a physician uh, because you love uh, the basic premise of being a physician is to help others, uh, it you will not be happy. So, uh, the the being a physician is a career which is uh, very demanding. It is very hard work. It's a long career before even you could be something in their life. So there, there's going to be so many sacrifices and you cannot sacrifice, you cannot make those sacrifices unless uh, you ha- have commitment uh, to your aims and goals. So let's say if your goal is to help the society, help the community, then it, then whether you make certain amount of money or not, that's not important. So so I think as a young adults, uh, you know, you guys have to define uh, the reason behind uh, the process, and that will help you carry through uh, through your decision. That you know, the life uh, will throw you curveballs, but as soon as long as you are clear in what objective you have uh, for the careers you're you're trying to uh, adapt, uh, that will help ease out the thing. So, physician, being a physician. Uh, let's say we are talking about you guys growing up and it will take you 10 years for you to be a, a, a doctor uh, from, from today. Uh, that, that is going to be so many uncertainty in American medicine that things will change over the time. Uh, so it is, first thing, they, everybody has to remember that that's a long, hard, challenging path. And you should, be, you should have... Uh, your commitment and your priorities all straighten out that, you know, no matter what happens after all those years, I still want to help people. I still want to serve and I want to do what the best I can uh, do for society. If those, any of those things are in your list, then and then you should consider being a physician as a, as your career path. Okay. That makes, that's, that's good. Thank you for that. And transitioning into more of COVID-19 related questions, what are some treatment options you suggest for people who are diagnosed with the coronavirus? So I've been treating uh, coronavirus since uh, early February, and um, 
you know, we have been surprised by amount of experiences and knowledge we accumulated in such a short period of time. Uh, this was some, something new, which uh, just caught us by surprise. And and this is this virus and, and effects and aftermath of this virus is something like we have never seen uh, before. Uh, but but the challenges, anything which brings you challenges also gives you lots of opportunity. So what we have learned uh, and the way we treat the viruses is that uh, as a physicians, you know, we have uh, always been proactive in the sense that, you know, when, when somebody comes to me, my job is to not only make sure that patient gets better, but even before that, we have to make sure that that person doesn't get worse. So, so we call uh, that is a proactive medicine. In the in this virus evolution of this virus has taught us that in lots of times we have to give some time uh, for 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 this disease or or progression of this disease to evolve. So, so basic uh, simple things in the life, like you know, most of patient, I would say, almost sixty seventy percent of patient do come with uh, respiratory problems. So, so we have. Uh, means to support their breathing. So sometimes we have to use the oxygen. Sometimes we have to use oxygen with high pressure. Sometimes we have to use the ventilators. Uh, so that that we have learned that at what stage we have to intervene what. Second thing we have learned is that this is uh, profound inflammatory process in the sense that virus produces so much uh, cytokines and inflammatory chemicals uh, which by itself more does more damage than a virus so we have learned how to choose how to use anti-inflammatory medications and third thing we have learned is that that this virus also produces lots of clottings in the blood because it damages the endothelium which uh, which is one of the uh, the linings of the blood vessels and makes your blood clot so we we started using lots of blood thinners on the top of that we we also use medications which suppresses the binding of the viruses to human cells. We also have learned how to use the uh, other people who has recovered from the virus, their own antibodies to treat uh, sick people. And of course, you know, over the time, we are also involved in, in, in trying to get the right vaccine so we can definitely prevent uh, sickness or, or severity of the sickness uh, of this virus. So the coronavirus, no one has really seen anything like this before and for a high schooler uh the last affecting event was harvey and nothing like that has ever happened since then and then coronavirus came in surprise and i think just as a high schooler it's very different being in this environment with the coronavirus going on with school being canceled and everything it's just something that we never thought would happen again after harvey and uh, yeah, you guys are right. But you see, so th- as I said that, you know, uh, every challenge in the life will give you opportunity. So, so you, so you have, you guys have never been such an important, uh, important uh, and integral part of the society, or at least you have not, not been aware of what is your role as a young adults in society. So what you guys are doing, like you guys are isolating yourself. You're, you guys are not going to sports. You guys are not going to movies. You guys are not going to school. You know, this is the sacrifices you are making, not only for yourself, but the whole society. Because, you know, we know at this point, as the physicians and, and, and the community leaders, that if you guys get sick, nothing is going to happen to you guys. Uh, very likely that, you know, you will have some mild illness and, 
and you're going to stay home for a couple of days and you're going to be fine within a week or two. But the, the most important things is that like, even though you might not get sick, uh, you might get uh, somebody else sick. Like you might get your grandparents sick or you, you might get your, your, your parents sick or somebody who's, who's have other immuno, immunocompromised status sick. So this, what you're doing is, is not for yourself. This is one of the most selfless act uh, a generation can do to protect the society. So, so, so it is, it is, as I said, that every, every challenge is an opportunity, uh, but you know, even the kind of things you guys are doing, uh, it, it is very commandable to have those restraints that, you know, it's very difficult at this age to be isolated. You, you guys are at this age that uh, you want to challenge, challenge everything. Like you, you want to, to, to test the boundaries. You want to take a risk and to, for us to tell you guys not to take a risk is a is the biggest thing, and you guys are doing so such an awesome thing. But I think the things will come out better at the other end because I always think uh, that you know this this time in your life, uh, that five years down the course or ten years down the course, you will reflect that that it has changed you guys. It has changed you guys in the sense that your priorities has somewhat changed. You have learned how to. You spend some time, more time with the family. You, you, t- t- your time to take a break and reflect on really what is important, like whether, like, whether it's academics or whether you, you learn how to read new books or learn new instruments or, or whatever you have done uh, in this, this last six months will really uh, be a deflection point, uh, in my opinion, for betterment for the rest of your life. Yeah. I agree with you. Like, I think uh, for me and like, uh, I can talk for others also, like this has given us like a learning experience, like how to bond uh, not only with our family, but friends, uh, like, yeah, how to bond with our family and it has kept the environment, you know, in the house, like it keeps it um, good after a while, you know, you're staying with your family and you realize the challenges uh, your family faces and how you can help them. Definitely. And, you know, your parents also love them. I love you guys around, having you around. So I, I think for for me, like, you know, I have two young kids in the, in the house and, and we just love it. It just it just has changed, uh, you know, the, the way we interact with each other, you know, you know, the, the things which are very important to us, we, we could focus on the and, and help each other out. So I, I think this experience is, uh, will definitely make all of us the better people in, in our lives. Okay, so in patients that have COVID nineteen, what is the common effect you have seen in their lungs? So actually, yesterday I was talking to one of my my colleague, and you know, I was telling him that I've been doing this for a long time, and long time means like it's going to be almost twenty years. Uh, you know, I, I have seen so many so many X rays and CAT scans of the people who has lung problems, and like this you. After 20 years of me doing what I'm doing, uh, in last six months, still every time I look at the scans of people, CAT scans of uh, people who have a severe COVID, it sinks my heart. Uh, that this, uh, this virus has uh, uh, something like I, I would use, I rarely would use that term like macerated. Like, you know, it just literally has destroyed people's lungs. So, so what it does is that it produces intense inflammation inside the lung. 
and it just uh, it, it just like an auto destruction like you know you guys play those video games and you you had those guns or whatever and it just destroys the whole building so that's how it works you in front it's just whole lung you can literally see crumbling in front of your eyes so that is kind of level of destruction this virus is capable of doing it and even after pe- people survive let's say you know uh, lots of patients do die but you know some of them uh, lots of them do survive even after they survive you know they 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 leave it virus leaves their lung in such a crippled state that you know they become dependent on more supplemental oxygenations and and really uh, debilitated for the rest of the life okay so uh does covid-19 affect people with asthma any differently so in our experience you know uh, we so far all the evidence suggests that uh covid-19 does not make people who has controlled asthma let's say if somebody has asthma but it's uh, they are taking care of their asthma and, and they're using the, all the medication they have been prescribed and 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 they're living normal lives they should not be worried about uh the idea that they will be at increased risk from covid-19 uh but let's say if somebody who is struggling with asthma right like you know they have to use inhaler few times a day and then as their asthma is not controlled they will be at increased risk of uh, severity of the diseases if they catch covid-19 uh on the contrary people who smoke uh they will definitely at increased risk of complications from covid-19 So why does smoking increase the risk for COVID-19? So what we know so far is that uh, you know any smoking when you smoke uh you know there's a, a something called a mucosa inside your airway so there's a endothelium and like in the kind of epithelium which lines uh, your airway uh, throughout your lungs so so when you br- take a breath in the air goes through your trachea and smaller bronchial tubes the, those are all lined uh, by by epithelium which is a tiny cells now uh, the virus binds to that cells and then their virus goes inside the cells and start multiplying so when when somebody smokes those epithelial cells are already damaged uh, so it's like you know let's say uh you get burn on the skin right the skin gets burned so its skin loses its uh its strength to repel any further damage so that same way when you smoke the all the stars and uh the the, the, the all the chemicals destroys the lining of the lung and that makes it more susceptible to get infected by viruses okay Um so how has covid-19 affected your life at home due to you being with patients who have gotten exposed to the virus So yeah de- definitely you know because when it started we we were not sure uh, uh how it's going to affect us as a providers right so we 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 tend to use like you know all those protective gears we had and when this thing started it was also in a short supply so you know we were trying to recycle our masks and gowns and goggles and everything like that so there was always a risk of we getting contracted by viruses uh so i i was isolating myself so initial part of the the disease you know i was when when i come home 
you know i just want to make sure that you know i i take my clothes off and myself put in a washer and 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 sleep and eat in separate room so you know that that is that was the f- things which we used to do it when uh, this pandemic started uh, and then over the time you know we all learned that you know if you if you keep a distance and keep certain kind of safety uh, then you you could be around your family so i but there's always you know uneasiness because this is the things uh, the virus is a thing you don't see right like you know you never know uh, whether you're carrying those viruses on your hands or on your nails or in your on your clothes or and if somebody else gets it whether they are going to get infected uh, so you can't even, you can't even yeah, right yeah. so when 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 you can't see uh, the danger you are always going to be afraid uh, so even at this point you know i go in a patient's room my gown up but you know who knows that virus is is on my hair so you don't see those kind of things so i think it has affected uh me in the sense that i have i've been very careful uh you know sometimes you have to keep the like keep on washing your hands uh change your clothes uh, clothes up multiple times uh, so i, I think uh, as far as the family life is concerned definitely you know and and other thing is that uh, i have seen people dying in hospital so uh, that makes you more aware of your own life that you know what's what's going to happen if something happens to you so so i think it makes uh, makes you more humble about uh, your own life and the uh, reality and priorities you have uh, about life like you know as a physicians we 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 help other people out but uh, you know ultimately uh, you know if we can't take care of ourselves then we can't help other people out. so i think that at lots of point uh, you know it's philosophically about uh what is important and what you can do for society uh, you learn a lot from this kind of things yeah that's true and relating to more high schoolers and transitioning more into the life of a high schooler and due to how vaping is a very big issue in a high school in in high school and throughout high schoolers uh how detrimental is vaping to high schoolers lungs and how often do you run into the high schoolers who suffer from yeah so we i said like a couple of years ago you know we started seeing lots of young uh people with uh, undiagnosed lung problems so you know they all come and you know we couldn't figure out what the heck is happening and and eventually we learned that vaping was the thing so you know i think in my opinion you know this is probably one of the worst things uh high schoolers can do yeah in the sense that the lungs are still growing and everybody needs to remember that once your lung gets destroyed you're not going to get it back so the as you guys are still very young uh, you you have lots of reserve uh, in your lungs so uh, you know let me tell you let me give you an example that your lung capacity is like 5 to 6 liters now while you're talking to me uh, you are using only like 3 400 ml uh, of your lungs that that's all you need to provide your your body enough oxygen now if if i take your lung out like let's say after two lungs i take whole lung out you will still be fine but the problem is that once you reach 20s and 30s and 40s after that you're going to lose the lung function every year So when you become like 50s and 60s, 
you would not have enough lung to live. So even though, so this vaping does a two twofold damage. It will one is destroy the lung, and you will lose the lung capacity. You might not realize when you're young and healthy, but when you reach to a certain point in your life, it will affect you. And second thing is that we have seen so many people who has something we call the acute respiratory failure in the sense that it destroys the lung instantaneously. So it produces some kind of chemical and mechanical reaction that it becomes cytotoxic in the sense that it kills the cells of the lung. And they, I have seen a young people who become dependent on oxygen just to walk. So, you know, not able to breathe is the worst thing any human can have. Think about that, like, you know, you're under water and you could not breathe for, let's say, 40 seconds. That's how it feels. So, you know, people don't realize that when you're young and healthy that you, nothing is going to happen. I can vape and I'm, you know, everybody's vaping and everybody's going to be fine. But a one out of 100 will suffer those kind of fates. So it's, you guys have to be very careful about that. Yeah, I think that's the biggest issue is just um, high schoolers are not educated on uh, like how vaping affects your life uh, then and how it affects it in the future. Because high schoolers, uh, you know, they, they'll vape, right? And they don't they don't see the effect happening now. But in the future, they don't realize how much it destroys your body. Right. And I, I think, you know, it's about, uh, you know, everybody's doing it and everyone wants to look cool and, yeah. uh, and like a trend, a trend right? right? So, but I think people, uh, the high schoolers, they need to realize that, you know, nothing... Anything goes in your body has uh, its own consequences. So uh, sometimes, you know, it could be life-threatening and sometimes uh, it could be very severely uh, debilitating. So you, you they have, uh, there are lots of information nowadays uh, on, on, on online. And I think there are lots of awareness uh, happening in society. But I think, you know, once you're at a certain stage in your life that you think everything is fine and nothing can destroy you, like in, invincible. But I think, you know, uh, the school district should put more emphasis on, on uh, smoking preventions and vaping prohibition and all those things. So I hope that it happens. And uh, for your patients that uh, suffer from smoking, how often do you see that when you're working? Like how often do you see patients suffering from smoking? Well, smoking is, uh, is very common, unfortunately. And we still see, I would say like a, Almost uh, 30 to 40 percent of my patients uh, do have history of smoking. Uh, we in last five to ten years we are seeing incidence of smoking uh, going down, but it's still we see quite a lot of young people picking up the smoking. So uh, it's common, unfortunately. Uh, and whatever uh, uh, people have in that their past and. And, and their surrounding, that is also a bigger factor. So people smoke because lots of people around them smoke. And people smoke because, you know, they have a history of smoking. So those kind of things are really affecting the trajectory of people who is trying to try to uh, quit smoking. Um, but smoke, actually, let, let me tell you other things. Smoking is one of the most addic addictive uh, human behavior. Uh, so in the sense that, you know, you, I've seen people who can quit uh, doing drugs or you know, doing stopping like marijuana or cocaine or alcohol, but they cannot quit smoking. So smoking yeah, produces permanent alteration in your brain that once you stop smoking, it produces profound sense of uh, withdrawal. And that's why lots of people cannot quit smoking. 
And just like out of curiosity, does vaping actually lead to smoking? And does that incur uh, entice someone to smoke after they after they vape? So you know, lots of people, uh, lots of uh, people are vaping, uh, and you know, it it has the nicotine in there. Uh, so you know, it makes them addictive to that, and the smoking does the same thing. So, you know, lots of pe- uh, people have tried uh, vaping as a means to quit smoking, but again, same thing. I don't think it makes any difference uh, in all technical purposes. Va- vaping and smoking is the same thing, and and probably uh, have similar long term and short term effect on human body. And a question that many of our followers said is, in relation to the coronavirus and vaping, what is something that us high schoolers can do to make our lungs stronger at our age? So, as I said, that you know, human lung has enormous lung capacity. So, we all are born with lots of excess lung, and lung is is an organ that even you you don't take care of that, it will outlast most of the human uh, longevity in the sense that you know after let's say if you're 100 year old uh, your organs other organs will give up but if you have not done anything bad with your lungs your lungs will be fine so what i would suggest is that you just do what keeps you healthy in the sense that uh, you know as i said earlier that you need on to breathe only like uh, 500 ml of air to do what you're doing but let's say if you if you play tennis or if you swim if you run, then you will have to use four liters of air every breath to sustain your oxygen supply. So anything you can challenge physically will make sure your lung will get stronger. So nothing, it's not like that you have to do specific kind of lung exercises to make your lungs. So lung exercise is nothing but a muscle exercises. So if I ask you to take a deep breath, that's not an exercise for your lungs, but it's exercise for, it's a mus- muscular exercise. So so any kind of sports you play, any kind of challenges you challenges you you have physically, in the sense that you know you can you can swim, you can run, you can hike, you can climb, all those things is going to make your lungs healthier and stronger. Okay, so um, what's the best way to slow? Uh, what's the best way for slowing your breathing down when having a panic attack? So, you know, as, as we understand more and more about breathing and uh, 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 its effect on, on our own uh, physiological aspects of the life in the sense that, uh, that if it has profound effect on uh, every single cell. Like, as, as you know, that, you know, when you breathe in, oxygen goes everywhere. But it's not only oxygen, but it also affects uh, your, your nervous system. It affects your circulation it affects lots of things so so breathing has a profound effect uh, in how your body controls its its its, uh, its, its activity uh, so so there, there are two two facets of uh, human uh, physiology one we call it something we can control with our own will and second we we say that it's autom- autonomous uh, systems where everything is cruise control uh, but somehow we have learned that, you know, if you modulate your breathing, uh, you can get a control of uh, involuntary processes in, inside, your, inside the human body. So, uh, you know, the, when somebody is going through any kind of anxiety or panic attacks, we know 
that at certain point, uh, whatever happens in the, uh, their, their body, it's just out of their control. So breathing gives, uh, gives us a means to control the processes which gets beyond our own volition in the sense that, you know, we can control the things which can, we, we just get, cannot fathom to control otherwise. So if you, if you modulate your breathing, let's say if you, if you take some deep breaths, uh, or in the sense that any time when you breathe uh, slowly and deeply, and especially like a, even the breathing has a three different parts, right? You breathe in, which we call inhalation, then you hold your breath and you, you, take, uh, you, you breathe out, which we call exhalation. So that phase, which we call exhalation, is one of the most important aspects of your breathing. If you just delay, like, you know, you have slow breathing out, that definitely stimulates something we call as a parasympathetic uh, nervous system. So uh, that, that, that will calm the body down tremendously. So anytime anybody is exci- uh, not excited, I mean, say like anxious or, or panic, if you, there are so much research has been done on that. If you slow your breathing down, let's say if you take uh, 10 breaths a minute for like two minutes, uh, that will have a profound effect on, on, on sensation of like, you know, calming and uh, easiness and confidence. And, you know, suddenly you'll find that you can control so many things. Okay. So um, moving on to lungs and how uh, lungs and functioning, what are some key indicators that you look at to determine if the lungs are functioning properly and how do you measure these? So, so any part, of human body has two things. One we call a structure, and second is a function, right? So let's say if you have a house, house has a walls, right? But you, you, what you see is a wall, but you know you don't know how strong is the wall. So that strength is a function of that uh, that structure. So same thing of the lung. Lung has a structure and lung has a function. So let's say if I do X-ray, uh, X-ray can tell me about the structure of the lung or CAT scan. Uh, it tells me the structure of the lung. So same way we have something we call the function of the lung. Function of the lung is to take the air in. The air goes in the lung and air goes in the blood circulation. That's, that is a function of the lung. So we can measure those things. We call it as a pulmonary function test. We measure how much air a person can breathe in, how much air oxygen goes in the blood. So those are more kind of a mechanical uh, test. But a simple test uh, we do is that a function of the lung is to provide the oxygen. So we can measure oxygen oxygen level in somebody's blood by just uh, putting a small sensor on the fingertip. So we call it as a pulse oximetry. So that measures the amount of oxygen you are getting in the blood circulation, which is in the indirect function of your lung. So those are the simple tests we can do to determine whether lungs are uh, healthy or not. Okay. So, um, moving on to the healthy aspect and also um, exercise, what are some type of breathing exercises that uh, that can help you out to also improve your lungs and uh, the capacity? So, there are so many things uh, you can do with your breathing. And, you know, it's not only about uh, your, your anxiety. It's also about uh, sharpening your brain. Uh, you know, meditation by itself is a, is a breathing exercise. You know, lots of things in a ancient uh, Chinese and Indian uh, uh, spiritual uh, cultures uh, has, uh, has to do with the breathing. So br- breathing, you can control your brain, you control your bodies, you control your nervous system, you can, can control heart and lots of things. So 
Actually, uh, recently, last year or two, I, uh, there's a book uh, called Bread, and there's a scientist which uh, did lots of investigation on the and the beneficial aspects of uh, of the breathing. And he has a website, and there's sh- short videos. I guess you guys should watch it. His name is James Nestor. Uh, but uh, you know, simple thing I would I would suggest you know for for the high schoolers is is that if you guys have some practices where you just sit down for five minutes and and take some nice deep, deep breaths. And there's two things you need to remember that, you know, just just take one breath every five seconds. So let, let's say, you know, your normal person will take like, I would say 16 to 18 uh, breaths um, um, every minute. But let's say if you slow down that you take like uh, 10 breaths a minute. That is good good thing. And second thing you want to do is that you want to make sure that when you breathe in, uh, and then you just hold it for a second, and breathe. so you can breathe in for two seconds, hold it for two seconds, and breathe out for four seconds. And and you know simple things like that. You know simple things like you you're taking uh, eight to ten seconds for every breath, and you just slow it down. That will have profound effect on your concentration. That will have lots of effect in your, your anxiety, and you just just overall make you feel better. So some simple things, you don't have to have like fancy, uh, you know, uh, breathing classes and you have to do it for a whole hour and do this thing and that thing. You know, there's always, I think, you know, science is evolving in the sense that, um, you know, there are more benefits if you go do more complicated uh, breathing exercises. But I, I, I think for the high schoolers, the most of benefit could be achieved by simple techniques of just slowing down your breathing or just spending more time breathing out than breathing in those are the simple things can really go a long way yeah so i i i just don't i i think like um us high schoolers and also um elders don't realize that these simple things can improve our lungs and improve our lifestyle as we get older right so so again you know this this thing is very primitive uh to sustain human body right like you know oxygen is something uh, we have uh, as a living creature needing for billions of years, and that's how the life evolved uh, from from anaerobic uh, organisms to aerobic in the sense that we started using oxygen, and everything happened after humans started using or uh, live cells started using oxygen. So, so uh, the the doc, the breathing is a very integral part of what we call uh, ourselves as a live person. And we will need to that thing until we die and we stop breathing and we are dead. So I, I think, you know, we have to put a conscious effort uh, in, in, in taking care of your, our uh, health. And one of the pr- primary foundation of the health is the breathing. And, uh, you know, lots of culture has known that for, for, for centuries. And... And now we are putting more and more uh, awareness into uh, those processes, which we at, at some point in the last 200 years uh, took it for granted. But I think more and more people are becoming aware that you know breathing and oxygen and the lungs are just just too important for us to ignore or take it for granted. I hope that helps all the listeners that are curious about the breathing exercises. And I just want to thank you, Dr. Patel, for taking time out of your day to answer our questions. And thank you to all the listeners who tuned in for our first episode.
And I hope you guys come back for a second episode. Definitely. Uh, good luck, guys. All right. Bye. Thank you. Have a good day. Hello. Hello.